Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my beautiful wife, Janet, and our producer, Lindsay, and we are streaming live from the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Studio. And you don't want to miss out on this episode. Uh, we talk a lot about prevention um, of disease on this show a lot and how to do that. And we welcome Charles Benz to our show today. He has an AI program uh, with functional assessment of how to assess um, somebody's health and actually prevent disease. Um, specifically, we're going to be focusing on Alzheimer's and cancer. And he's got some really, really good information to share for us. So you don't want to miss out on this episode. Uh, stay until the very end. Charles, welcome to our show. Thank you, Sean. Really appreciate it. And uh, thanks to Janet as well. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into employee assessment. It was employee assessment, but it's really health assessment in general. Tell us how you got into this. I got really sick and uh, none of the doctors could do anything for me. And what they wanted to do, I didn't want to participate in. It sounded a little bit too drastic. This was 35 years ago. It had to do with the urinary tract and the prostate. And uh, so the operations and procedures they were talking about really didn't have a lot of interest, uh, hold a lot of interest for me. So I found a book in California. I was giving a talk there, and it was called How to Cure and Treat Urinary Tract and Prostate Problems. And it said, you know, stop eating red meat, stop drinking alcohol, stop eating spicy foods. And that was a whole list of things. And then it said, start taking this kind of uh, supplementation and these kind of foods. Anyway, three months, I was better. And so the whole thing about their assessment was wrong. And so I kind of became curious at that point and started to read a lot. And then about um, 10 or 15 years later, I looked at my library and 90% of the books were on health and nutrition instead of the organization development stuff that I was working on. And I thought, I think I'm in the wrong career now. And so. I dumped that career, I went to get a PhD, and I started Healthy at Work. That's kind of the short version of that story. All right, and tell us, what is Healthy at Work? Healthy at Work is a workplace wellness company that works with employers to try to improve employee health, reduce healthcare costs, and uh, we do it naturally um, with diet and exercise and stress reduction and nutrition. And... Um, that's one of the reasons I got into the artificial intelligence platform because it looked like one of the best tools to help do that. And I've been now doing this with employers for about 20, 25 years and with a pretty good record of success. You just have to find the right employers that are ready to make the commitment and do the right things. And when you get those employees, employers, then you, you, you get the, you get the work and do it. And that's, we have tools. We have hundreds and hundreds of articles and tools and, uh, assessment mechanisms that we use, and the AI is just one of them. We use blood tests and all other kinds of assessments. That many of them are, are proprietary. We develop them. Janet, what kind of questions do you have for Charles? Well, I'm interested as to how employers find you because it's not something that people talk about very openly in the marketplace. So how does a, a employer come to you? Well, uh, a lot of it's through articles and podcasts and things, but I, I can tell you that about 17 or 16 or 17 years ago, I started to do presentations for Vistage International. And Vistage International is the largest CEO network in the world. 
I've now presented to probably 20% of their 22,000 members worldwide, uh, representing you know 30 or 40 million people uh, employees. So I started to give talks to them, and um, they they post the evaluations. And I started to get these evaluations five, five, five on a scale of one to five. And so when the chair people for these groups see that somebody is giving presentations that are getting ranked five every time, <laughs> um, they get curious. And so uh, that has led me to give hundreds of these presentations to CEOs. So probably two, three, four thousand CEOs in the last ten or fifteen years. And so the reputation really spread um, ar around the country that somebody was doing something that nobody else was doing. And so, yeah, that's, I, I think Vistage was one of the main uh, starting points for me. Wow, that's, that's great. Uh, what, what a wonderful thing you've created. And we talk about it on this show all the time about, you know, lifestyle, like, you know, exercise and diet and how important that is for overall health. And it's just really sad and tragic that traditional healthcare insurance and our traditional sick care system, you know, that relies on surgery and drugs doesn't really do anything for prevention. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. I think that the statistics are pretty staggering. 80% uh, of disease is preventable, and we spend about 5% of every healthcare dollar on prevention. And so there's, there's the disconnect right there. If you wanted to do something to address this, you would probably just concentrate on prevention. Um, in 2009, Andrew Weil and Mark Hyman and uh, Dean Ornish and a few other people presented uh, three or four hours to the U.S. Senate Health Committee. And at the end of it, Mark Hyman said, um, you will never solve the current healthcare crisis if you just continue to try to do the wrong things better. Right. right. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I thought that was the best quote that I'd ever heard on that topic. And and so they can improve what they're doing all they want, but they're not going to get the uh, the return on investment for the things they're trying to do until they, until they get around to prevention and the stuff that we're doing. So tell us about some of the stuff. Let's get into specifics. Let's say Alzheimer's. Um, what is some prevention for Alzheimer's? What kind of labs do you run or is it uh, an assessment? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, you may or may not have heard about the work of uh, Daniel Bredesen. Uh, he wrote a book called The End of Alzheimer's. And this was, uh, he first studied this in 2014 when he did a small clinical trial with 10 people who had mild, moderate, or high-level Alzheimer's. And what happened was rather dramatic because in three months, he, able, he was able to get 90% uh, of them, or nine people, to actually reverse their condition to the point where they were functioning very uh, satisfactorily, if you will, uh, compared to not performing very satisfactorily before. And he did this because he looked at all the other chronic diseases that were being dealt with effectively using multiple therapies. Uh, so everything that's been done with Alzheimer's in the past was a monotherapy. And when the Cleveland Clinic did a study of all the monotherapy tests or studies over the last 30 years, they found a 99.6 failure rate. So monotherapy wasn't doing it. He was seeing success with other chronic illnesses. And so he dug a little bit deeper into it and found that there were 36 things that, that actually contributed to the development and the continuation of Alzheimer's. And so he developed a protocol that actually attempted to address 
all 36 of these items. And that's how he got the amazing result that he got. Then he published it in a book. It's a New York Times bestseller. He now has 500 or 1,000 associates that have taken uh, training. They're medical doctors, and they're now certified in the Bredesen Protocol. So will you tell us, I think we're streaming something. Is that, what, what is that? Yes, that's the end of right. Alzheimer's. That's his book. And tell us a little bit about what, you know, how do we end it? I mean, what, what are some of the, the tips that, that he has in there? Well, you know, he, he looked at things like vitamin D and said, you know, there's, there's absolutely, in almost every Alzheimer's patient, a deficiency of vitamin D. And so vitamin D controls more genes than any other product on the planet. And so it controls especially a lot of the chronic illness genes. And so when you see that and you, and you know that's a factor, well, there goes number one item. Now that's, we're gonna add vitamin D to the protocol. And so when you're looking at ways to prevent Alzheimer's, you start to look at vitamin D levels early on in your life. If you have bad vitamin D levels, then that's an indicator you might have Alzheimer's, but it's also an indication you might have a lot of other things. So you have to start narrowing it down. And one of the ways to narrow it down is to understand that Alzheimer's is also called type 3 diabetes. That means there's going to be a sugar challenge at some point. Well, the existing tests for sugar are either the glucose, uh, total, total glucose test, or the A1C, which happen to be the most terrible tests for sugar that you could possibly imagine, but everybody uses them. So he, he started to use the uh, glucose challenge test, which is the one pregnant women use where you put 75 grams of, uh, of glucose in, and then you watch the insulin and glucose levels go up, and then you watch them go down. If they go down within two and a half or three hours, then you don't have a, a glucose challenge. But that test is long, and it's too difficult. So happily, somebody developed a better one called the, glyco, uh, the, the glucomark test. And now you can get this test just with any other blood test, and you can find out whether you have a glucose challenge five to seven years before it shows up in the A1C or the total glucose. So there's a five to seven year window that you know you're going to be balanced with your sugar use and your insulin receptors on your cells. So there's another early warning test for Alzheimer's. So there's two really good ones, vitamin D and, and sugar. I would add inflammation as one of the ones. So most tests don't have C-reactive protein on it. That's the inflammation marker. So we would add that one. So he eventually got to 36 of them. <laughs> wow. Now, what was the glucose test again? Glucomark, what was it? Yeah, uh, glucomark, glycomark. It's, um, it's, it's a test, uh, G-L-I-C-O, mark, M-A-R-K. The glycomark test is really amazing because it simulates the same test as the, uh, the, the glucose challenge test. But... It, 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 it actually gives you like a, a 60 to 90 day window of what's happening both with your fasting uh, glucose levels, which is they usually use, but also with your post meal tests. So your post meal levels are factored in. Those are the ones that are the problem because majority of people who eat diets with too much sugar, too much processed uh, foods in them, they'll be diabetic for about two or three hours after they eat. And so if they eat three meals, that means they're going to be diabetic for six to nine hours. But if you fast for 12 hours and you get a normal glucose level, oh, that means you're okay. No, it doesn't mean you're okay. It means you're okay for the hours you're fasting. But for the hours after you've just eaten, you're diabetic. Right. 
So that's, that's a really good challenge. point. Yeah, that's a really good point. We're we're really talking a lot more on our program about glucose and insulin and and fasting. So um, that that's you know, thank you for 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 adding that. I was not familiar with that test at all. That's good to know because, like you say, a glucose challenge test is not very convenient. No. Um, so it would be nice to just have a blood test. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, there was a study out that came out about two or three years ago from Life Extension Magazine where they recommended that you not do your fasting blood test, that they actually do your total glucose an hour and a half after you've eaten. And that would give you a better picture of your actual sugar challenge than if you wait 12 hours after. And so once that started to happen, then we started to move a little bit closer to developing the glycomark test. That's really, that's really cool. And I will tell you, personally, I've started checking my glucose for about oh, two or three weeks now. And, you know, I, I think one of the things that I notice is that it's not spiking after I eat necessarily. And I think that's what's important because, like you say, anybody can get a, a low glucose by just fasting for 24 hours. Yeah, or 12 hours even, which yeah, yeah. they recommend 12 hours. So, yeah, if, if you don't get a, a, a good level after 12 hours, you're in deep trouble. And you've been in deep trouble for a long time, and right. so that just it doesn't help to have that that test. And so I don't recommend it to anybody. Right, and of course exercise will also affect that. And so will your awakening glucose is not always like a fasting glucose because you do have dawn phenomenon and stuff like that. But well, and and if you have more muscle mass, I mean, muscle burns uh, uh, sugar four hundred percent better than a fat cell. So if you can get yourself to be lean, I mean, people say oh, exercise is great. Well, exercise is, is wonderful. There's nothing wrong with exercise. The problem is a lot of people, when they exercise, they don't realize that they actually are depleting their magnesium levels and they're actually uh, creating free radicals. And so exercise can have a deleterious effect. So we've had uh, high-performance athletes who've had to have double bypass surgery uh, or even triple bypass and have heart attacks. And they say to me, why, why is that happening? And I said, well, what do you eat? And how much magnesium do you take? And how much vitamin C do you take? And once I explained to them that you, can, you have to increase your magnesium intake by as much as 500% and your vitamin C intake by as much as 500% if you exercise at a heavy level, then they started to understand, oh, I'm not getting enough magnesium. Therefore, magnesium is the transport agent that takes the sugar and the glucose into the cell. If you don't have enough, then it keeps circulating. It doesn't matter. You're exercising. It's not going in. It's circulating and causing damage. So once people understand how the body works, then they go, ah, okay, I get it. Right. <laughs> cool. So um, what else would you like to share about the Alzheimer's prevention? Well, I guess the thing to share is that now we're working on a, a blood test that will be able to find these cases anywhere from five to 10 years before. So the AI platform does it as well. Uh, but when you add some blood work to the AI platform, you increase your probability of accuracy by you know, 60, 70 percent up to 80 to 90 percent. So we're adding um we're adding five or six new things to the regular brain test that we do that tests whether you're starting to develop the, uh, the plaque in your brain. And so if you're starting to get these algomers in your brain, uh, that means that you're gonna have plaque that's gonna be debilitating. 
And then we know that if you consume curcumin, a very high, uh, sophisticated level of curcumin, you can actually reduce those plaque levels by up to 50%. So finding these things, the earlier we find them, the earlier we can do something to mitigate them. And so it's not always a one-off relationship. We find the plaque, we use the curcumin, we get a solution. But when you find those one-off things, you've got to use them because the studies show that they're successful. So I think that's the key. We're going to try to get a blood test that measures as many of these things as early as possible so that we can get an accurate picture of what person's health is five to 10 years before anything happens. Janet, do you have any questions about that? Well, I don't really have any questions. I just have a comment from a mother's perspective. Um, you know, we, we kind of over... Um, look the fact that you know nutrition in the developing years are extremely important and i would assume this is also going to be in pregnancy as well so mothers hear this because you're setting your child up for for some problems if we aren't taking care of our body and our nutrient need because the development of the fetus and as we um, grow up those nutrients are really important and i've i've heard many mothers well oh it's calories and and they can burn it off but i don't necessarily believe that this processed food was meant to be in our system i know we all as individuals do indulge every once in a while but i just i feel strongly as long as sean and i have been in this industry that um, the prevention and taking care of ourselves is probably the biggest key to not having, you know, a, a bad outcome as we age. So anything that we can do while we're pregnant, probably before we're even pregnant, would be the right um, answer to that because I think that would be the, the first prevention. <laughs> I agree with you 100%, Janet, because I wrote a book called uh, Rebecca Sue's Her Mother. Subtitle, You Caused My Diabetes. Ah, <laughs> yep. right. And, and I, I didn't get a, a very favorable review from the Oprah Book Club on that. They, uh, they, every week they would bring my book up and it would come in second or third compared to some other books. So I never got to be, and, and I actually had an Oprah producer call me up and say, you know, we don't want to really talk negatively about mothers. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm sorry. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but. Mothers are one of the causes of, of, of the diseases that we face later on in life, let alone the childhood diseases. So I said, I'm just telling you the truth. I, I don't want to sugarcoat it because there's too much at stake. So I have in my own family, my grandchildren, I've been challenging them forever to get off the simple carbohydrates, get off the sugar. And I, I hate to say it, but you know, at one point my daughter-in-law said, well, uh, the Canadian food pyramid says five helpings of fruits and vegetables. And as long as it's f four fruits and one vegetable, that's okay. And I would say, no, it's not. <laughs> it should be four vegetables and one fruit. In fact, it should be even more than that. So my youngest grandson, uh, his mother gets it. And I, he takes pictures of my uh, of his breakfast every morning, practically. And he sees two or three vegetables there every morning. And he's eight. And so he's been doing this since he was like six. Instead of just the milk, he was eating a drink, he was drinking a green drink. And I have pictures of him drinking this green milk, this green drink. And you know, I, I show it in my workshops because people say, ooh, that's a yucky drink. It doesn't taste very good. Tastes like I'm licking my lawnmower. 
And I go, yeah, put a, put a little more apple in it and it'll be okay. <laughs> and, and so I put this slide in and it said, who, who drinks this yucky green drink? And at the bottom it says, Dr. Ben's grandson, that's who. And it's, it's him sucking on a bottle that's green. So it looks like you've uh, developed a lot of really cool stuff on Alzheimer's and also on cancer. Is that correct? Yeah, I think cancer was one of the things that killed one of my parents. And, and I thought, you know, I'm not really happy with what's going on out there. And so I started to research and uh, I can't stop researching after a while. And um, the next thing you know, I was writing stuff on how to stop breast cancer. And the next thing you know, I was given this award by the uh, the Ottawa Regional Cancer Society uh, called the Vail Visiting Professor Award. The guy before me was from the Pasteur Institute in Paris. So that was some pretty high wow. level stuff. And I thought, wow. <laughs> So that was cool to be able to be recognized, but I was just taking the secondary research and putting it together into format and, and, and programs that would allow people to really use it effectively. So it wasn't like I was doing the primary research, but I was doing a lot of the secondary research that allowed people to have an understanding of how their body works and how to use it effectively. And so they decided to award that. And I've been giving national speeches to conferences on cancer ever since. So give us some tips. What, what are some tips for cancer prevention? I know there's hundreds of different kinds of cancer, but what in general do you talk about? Well, you know, going back to your blood test example, I mean, um, these toxins that are in our body, and, and Dr. Joseph Pizzorno, my partner in kind of the AI platform, he's really into toxins, and he's, he's written the books uh, uh, entitled The Toxin Solution, I think. Anyway, uh, I, I called him up and I said, Dr. Joe, if I had to get one test that would tell me what the building up of the toxic damage in the body was, what would it be? He said, it's definitely the 8-OHGD test. And this 8-OHGD test is a measure of the DNA damage that's being done in your body. And what people don't realize is that DNA damage accumulates. And so when you eat toxins or when you breathe air or when you have water that has toxins in it, or when you have radiation, it all accumulates. And if you have an accumulated level of DNA damage in your body, you're on your way to cancer. There's just no two ways about it. And so we, I developed a panel that has all of these different tests on it. And it's being used now to find this, these people with possible cancers five to 10 years beforehand. And one of the things that we put in there was the Epstein-Barr test. And because Epstein-Barr is one of the sort of master virus creators in our body. And if you have Epstein-Barr, you're probably on your way to develop some kind of disease, cancer being one of them. And we found three people in the last week that had Epstein-Barr at, at 17 times the normal level, uh, what they should be. And these people were developing thyroid problems, which was going to lead to thyroid cancer. And so we stopped this because this was a young person in her 20s. And we, we were able to put into a protocol of detoxification mm -hmm. through a program for Metagenics called Clear Change. We get the toxins out, then we put the nutrients in, and then we started to stabilize the thyroid and actually prevent the cancer. Wow, that's a great story. So how, do, if, if, uh, how does an individual, can they access this AI if they don't have an employer that is going through you? 
Well, that's hard at this point because it's so intense from the standpoint of marketing and bringing people along to understand how their body works. And so we decided to do the workplace because that's where I decided to start 20, 25 years ago because that's where the return on investment was going to be. Um, but I think eventually we're going to roll it out to doctors and that's how it's going to really come to pass because we're going to say to doctors, okay, you know who your patients are and you know who's interested in health. You know, we, we know the ones that just sort of want to rubber, rubber stamp for everything you do, but we know who asks the good questions and we know who are the ones who are the candidates for this. And so let's put them on the AI platform and find out if we can get better results from that program than you're getting from your existing diagnostic tools. Well, what we're finding out is we are getting better results. And so we just have to figure out now how to roll this out to the doctors who are interested. Not all of them are interested. And so places like yours, your pharmacy, and another pharmacy that I connected with in Oklahoma, and another one in Florida, these are progressive pharmacies. And so we're reaching out to them and the doctors that they work with. Because if you're doing hormone replacement therapy, you're working with progressive doctors. And so we know the compounding pharmacies are one of the sort of stepping off points for reaching doctors in this way. So we're actually thinking about really being motivated to find the pharmacies who are the most progressive ones and then reach out to them and find their doctors that, they're, that, that they work with and then reach out to them and get their patients. So that's the avenue that we're going to try to go through rather than just go directly to the public. Well, here we are right now on a podcast. So thank you for being on. Well, it's it's a it's a perfect solution. And uh, the lady from uh, Oklahoma, Suzanne Keys, she's like you. I mean, she's so curious about this stuff. And I told her some of the things that I wanted to work on. And she said, I'm with you 100 um, percent. Let's start working on it right away. So uh, I, I think this is the way to go. I have a half a dozen doctors that are ready to go forward but I knew them personally. I think to get doctors in the future, we're gonna to have to have a conduit, a conduit. And, and I think you're the conduit to get them, to get these doctors identified and to get them out there so that we can spread the word about this AI platform. It's pretty miraculous in what it can do. Yeah, for sure. I, I appreciate you educating us today. Uh, I definitely have learned a lot. I wanna sum a few things up because I want to uh, make it you know, I want to do a little short clip after this on this little topic. And um, if so, if there were one, if there were two tests you could get to prevent um, Alzheimer's, what would it be? Well, you know, vitamin D uh, is kind of the number one thing. I mean, when we're working with the COVID people, we know that high vitamin D levels actually are better than the vaccination for preventing flu and preventing COVID. So probably the number one test is the vitamin D3 test. And so we say to people, if you wanna prevent the flu and you wanna prevent cancer at the same time and Alzheimer's too, uh, the vitamin D test is like numero uno. We also know that sugar is one of the number one foods for cancer. And so the glycomark test is like the number two. So those two tests alone would give people such a great heads up. Well, if you're going to pay for those, you might as well pay for the other 10 or 15 tests and get the whole enchilada and get a real good picture of what's going on in your body. That's what's really nice about the AI platform. 
when they look at all the 40,000 studies that are in there, they're looking at 5,000 enzymes. They're looking at 5,000 biomarkers. And they're actually trying to find the changes in those cells that are happening five to 10 years before disease actually happens. And so those are two that start that process, but the 8-OHGD is another one. And there's, you know, now there's gonna be like 25 markers on this uh, brain uh, test. And I think there's about 20 on the cancer one. And when people see what they, the results they get and what they can do to prevent disease, they're all in. They're all in. That's awesome. So, Charles, to, to wind as we wind our show up here, um, what do you have a passion for? What drives you? Well, I think the passion is to uh, try to get to the point where we start to reverse this this situation where more and more people become chronically ill. Because 60 years ago, only 10% of the population was chronically ill. Now, over 70% are chronically ill. And so it looks like we're on a path to have all of our GNP consumed by healthcare within the year 2065, 100% of our GNP. This is not a sustainable system. And so if we don't start this prevention soon and get it underway and have it have some impact, uh, I'm afraid for the next generation. And that's the generation that I'm most concerned about, the next one and the one after that, that if we don't do something, to stabilize the nutritional standards and deal with the toxicity. Um, we're creating more toxins every day. We now know that the sperm levels are going down, the ovarian quality, the quality of the ovaries <coughs> is going down. <coughs> Excuse me. And so we know that we're going to have a serious problem even reproducing in the future right. because of I mean, toxins. Yeah, we already seen that. Yeah. yeah. Young young men with low sperm counts. It's amazing. Yeah, and so this, now, we, now we've had a test last week done with uh, breast milk, and 100% of the, of the women's breast that was tested was toxic way beyond normal levels, 200 to 2,000% beyond the normal levels. So now breast milk has become totally unhealthy, which used to be the standard for, 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 for children. Now we're looking at it and saying, Maybe they shouldn't be consuming this breast milk because it's so toxic. So well, those, and, those, and we should, yeah, and we shouldn't be surprised considering what most Americans eat. So we're we're not eating our enough organic food. We're not sort of filtering our water properly. Uh, we're not cleaning the air in in and around our houses and our workplaces. So we're allowing all these toxins that are created in the name of profit uh, to come into our society, cause this incredible damage, and. The combination of that and urbanization, which has led us to become into closer contact with uh, nature and, and things that cause viruses, those two things, uh, the toxicity and the urbanization of, of the world, have been causing the most problems to our health of, of any other problems in the world. We need to start to address those things immediately, not just solve them medically, because we can do that. But at some point, we won't be able to do that. Because it'll be too pervasive. We won't be able to deal with it. So we've got to deal with the urbanization and the, and the toxicity at the same time, uh, or, or, we're, or we're going to have a catch-22. So, Charles, if people want to find out more information about what you're talking about, what's the best way to get a hold of you or to get more information on this subject? Well, uh, I have two websites. One is BeHealthyAtWork.com. 
And the other one is drcharlesbenz.com, drcharlesbenz.com. Lots of free articles, lots of stuff out there to share and videos. And there's all where our blood tests are and everything is there. Um, so I, I just say, you know, email me. Uh, I'll answer as many as I can for as long as I can till I can't answer them anymore. And, uh, you know, if you have a, an organization or somebody that you're working with that represents a lot of people, we obviously want to know about you, too, because the more people we can impact, the better it's going to be because we have to get an impact going sooner rather than later. Or we're going to be in deep trouble in a very short period of time. So anything you can do to help is great. I hope that you and I get a chance to talk again so that we can work together in this pharmacy approach that we talked about. I'd love to have my little books, uh, the little book, uh, Health in Your Pocket. I'd love to have that being sold in your pharmacy if there's an opportunity to do that. I'd love for you to recommend the AI platform and actually maybe have somebody in your office administering it and using it. I mean, that's we want to facilitate that kind of thing with, you, with people like you and your wife. That's where we think we can get the biggest return on investment. We want to work with you. Well, thank you. And, you know, you've definitely met our goal today. Our goal is to educate and empower consumers to take care of their own health. And that's basically what you're talking about is people need to be proactive in their own health. It's all about prevention. So you have definitely done a good job of, of doing that on the podcast today. I really appreciate that, Charles. I thank you so much for being on and we will definitely be in touch. Um, Charles, thanks again. And you've been listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in tomorrow because we have a patient story. Uh, his name is Dino and how he went from one day, one day he's, in the gym, working out in great shape. He's 77 years old. The next day he has brain cancer and he's wheelchair bound and he is going through his process of recovery. So you don't want to miss on that episode tomorrow, which is 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Is that correct? No, 6 p.m. 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time tomorrow uh, right here on our my personal Facebook page and the Mosaic Professional Pharmacies Facebook page. Uh, so tune in tomorrow at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You've been listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you so much, Charles, for being on today. Thank you, listeners and viewers. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sean. Really appreciate the opportunity. 